I told somebody the other day, I said, man, I just got out of this room four again. And it wore me out. Well, I was, I was inaccurate about that. I thought I was out of room four. You know, somebody asked me, he said, how you doing? I said, dude, I have been in the ringer. You know, what I thought I was getting out of was I got out of the wash cycle, and now I'm in the spin cycle. And it's just the way of, of Yahweh. He tears and he heals. That's how it works. And, you know, I know Americans, we, we don't want to hear that. But I want to tell you, it's the way of God. And I've got teaching on it. It's real good if you want to get caught up on it. I know many of you are watching on a YouTube channel. I want you to know something. You can't stay here and watch just on the YouTube channel. You can't stay there and do that. It requires a physical contact and assembling. And if you're using anything for an excuse to not be with us, now there's plenty of reasons. And, but I want to, I'm going to tell you, you, you need to get your, well, you know what I'm talking about. So this morning, Yahweh, I told you a couple of weeks ago that the word of Yahweh to me in this time of my life and when he's dealing with me and exposing things in me, I found this out. I found out that, that really only thing that can bring me to a place of flesh is something that's already in me. Well, that guy pulled out in front of me, and that's why I did that. Well, no, that was already in me. And those are just opportunities for me to really be honest and see what's really in me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I still have a long way to go. Amen? i got a long way to go. But I'm not settling for that. I'm not settling for my flesh to rule me. I'm not settling to live for that. The problem is the deception of the flesh. We can be so proud of ourselves because we're not that anymore or this anymore. You know, I preached a message on attention the other day, and I told people, I said, look, you, there's a chance you're probably not going to really understand what I'm really talking about because most of us, of course, apply it to the, the, the situation that we are in, our present little bitty microscopic world of trying to do better, trying to feel better, trying to be better, trying to do, you know. You know, I told somebody, I said, man, I, uh, I'm, tell, I'm preaching you got to die to the flesh and, and hate, hate your life, and everybody else is getting these things, how to love life at churches, you know, how to, how to be happy, you know. I mean, and, and it, it's just the carnal, fleshly, fallen way. Even our own government can't even control itself. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a failed system. So, you know, I, I had some people talk to me about it. And I heard some people talking actually to other, someone else about it. And they, they, they didn't really get it. And I'm not saying that as a rebuke. I'm just saying that. You know, what, what we're talking about goes way beyond just the way you feel today and you look today and, that you, uh, you, and where you are today and your relationships today and all that kind of stuff. This is way beyond an outward thing that will enhance an outward thing. In other words, most people want to get rid of something that's a problem to them, you know, that's an outward problem to them, but, so they can, they can feel better about another outward problem. And, 
you know, I really asked Yahweh today. I told the guys back there it was kind of late, and I said, look, I, I, I was at, I've been at dinner before, you know, or, or a meal before, and I was with one group of preachers before, and so I just started eating. And he said, dude, don't you pray? I said, yeah, I pray at home. Not like in public, like Yahshua said, don't do. So anyhow, if you want to pray in public, that's your problem. I mean, it's your, your prerogative. But, you know, I've already prayed. And it's going to be difficult for people to really have ears to hear what I say when they've done nothing this whole week spiritual. When we've engrossed ourselves in CNN and Facebook and all those other kind of things, and we've, we've in ourselves and improving our, we're all about this, and we haven't nurtured that side of us, it's going to be difficult to really grasp in here what's really being said. So what I have to do, I have to plow the ground. I have to break up the fallow ground. I have to sow the seed. I have to cover it up. I have to water it and wait for fruit because what happens is we've yet to really be become circumcised you know uh, of course the foreskin is what defiles the seed and most of the time everything we do for God in church is usually for a temporal satisfaction or a temporal happiness or a temporal result or a fix a temporal problem I've seen many people come to church to fix a temporal problem. Well, man, I need to come to church. You know, my, me and my wife are about to get a divorce. Okay, that's good. Man, I tell you what, I, life, I, life just sucks, Johnny. I, I, just, I need to come to church, man. I, you know, okay. But I'm going to tell you about, Paul said this, and, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I won't know about you, or excuse me, I do, but you may not know about you, but I know about me that my flesh will do anything, even give money, except die. I may not say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore, and I'm not going to do that anymore, but guess what? Most people will not submit to Yahweh's vertical hierarchy. And the reason why is we don't understand it. And I want you to ask Yahweh to help you, to help me help you here today. And the notorious prophetic words of the great prophet Meatloaf. I'll do anything for love. I ain't doing that. I've taught you recently that unity is vertical. Well, we're on the same page. We all have the same mind. We all, yeah, okay, I understand that. But real unity is vertical. The process is from Yahweh to Yahshua to your angel to you. And I know I cringe every time I say I'm your angel, but the Bible in the word angels and to the angel of the church at Smyrna and Laodicea and all that, the word literally means messenger, pastor, angel. So I taught you that there are, there are uh, mortal angels and there are immortal angels. The person who is an authority that is held responsible by God in every house is the messenger to that house. We saw that 
Yahshua in chapter 17 of John, he mentioned, he prayed that there be unity, that we would have unity five times. And I told you, because I saw him ask five times, it lets me know that this is something that's going to be difficult to achieve. And ultimately, he asked Yahweh to make us one. Because ultimately, Yahweh is going to be the major factor in producing us having true unity and receiving the true blessing and immortality and our well done. I'm going to go back many, many years because when you first hear a word, you hear it, like I said, in relation to where you are. I remember studying the, these words in the Greek when I first started getting into Greek and these words for power. Of course, we knew that there was dunamis power. Y'all remember those words? There's one of those words that I want to talk about a little bit this morning before I get into my message. It's all part of the message, but part two of my message. And we used to pronounce it, I would call it energia. Y'all remember that word? Energia. You know, the English word is a Greek word, the English word, you want to guess? Energy. But the correct pronunciation is in energia. In energia. In energia. That's how you really pronounce it. You know, I mean, it ain't like God's name. If you say energia, it's good with me. This word means a work, a working. It means efficient working. But listen specifically what it's for. In light of what I'm trying to teach us, and you're always trying to reveal to us, it is a working power to have an efficient organization or order. And it's only used of the superhuman power of Yahweh. To what? To bring and work His order and an organization. Because that's really who God is. Ephesians 3.7 uses it this way. Of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me according to what? The working of his power. In, in energia. Energia, the working of his power, came straight down. Because when Yahshua ascended, he gave gifts unto men. So from Yahweh to Yahshua to Paul, he gave him a gift and made him a minister according to energia. What? Him being in the order, the power of God comes through that order, and he gave him and called him a minister and empowered him to do that because of energia, or what? The power that you receive when you're in the right place that God has ordered for you. Colossians 1.29, here's another relative intervening of this energia. Watch this. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power that works mightily in me. The purpose of God is accomplished by a power that works. I like what he said. I want you to look at the distinction. Mightily in me. 
Because it may not happen if it ain't working mightily. This ain't a word, but it will fit. If it works weakly, not weekly like daily, monthly, but W-E-A-K. If it's, if it's working weakly in you, then it causes a disruption of blessing and God's everything God has for us. Okay, Ephesians 1.19. This is what it says. And what is the surprising greatness of his inner in <laughs> sorry. In toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his inner of his might. I love what he says here. That it is giving according to the measure of every single part. So the measure of part, my energia, it is different than your energia, so to speak. Your part, your power is different than mine. Mine is different than yours. But it comes through the same source, same power, but delivered in these callings, if you want to call it that, in that arena. Watch this, Ephesians 4.16. It's interesting now, that word is is being used in this context, uh, in the context of what I'm trying to teach us right now. From whom the whole body, being fitly joined, held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. There's the organization. There's the order. The power of God comes. It's vertical. Now, I'm always seeking and praying and wanting and desiring to know who Yahweh is. A lot of you have been with me long enough. Y'all saw the different ways that Yahweh, and I've seen different ways that Yahweh has revealed himself to me. And I've tried to help you with that by showing you that. But I'm in a place now that... God's trying to show me some stuff, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not the quickest learner in the world. And it takes time. But in my side study, which is really my real study, and then we have these things that the Word of the Lord is for us individually, there are, there are three things that I've been, that Yahweh spoke to me about, especially in this last session of the fourth room, for lack of a better term. And that's eternal life, energy, light. Eternal life, energy, light. What is God really? Who are you, God? I've cried out to him. Who are you? You know, what do you, do you, what do you look like? Because I believe that our, con our conception of him will, will limit us or it will unlimit us. Are you all with me today? I talked to Dick. He called me yesterday, said he and Gloria couldn't be here. And so I said, well... You know, I'm going to really try to make my point clear. It's really simple what I'm saying, but when it's out of context to where we've been thinking every day, then it takes us a while to say, oh, oh okay, it's going to get it. And I'm believing the Spirit of God's going to help us with that. But this is what I've always known about God. That the mysteries of who God is is concealed. But it's concealed only... So he can reveal it to us. 
It's concealed only to be revealed. And only, the only thing I can think about is, you know, our children and grandchildren at Christmas time, what do we do? We conceal something, but we don't conceal it to keep it concealed. We can't wait to see them do what? And then they throw the toy out, keep the box, go in the other room and have a good time. So Yahweh has hidden these things from the carnal mind. You can't know things of God, even if somebody walks up to you and tells you something that is so practical and so true and undeniable, you can look them in the face and show them in the black, red, and white, and they still are blind to it. They are still in darkness. How many of you know, at such the low, low level of us just getting to the point of understanding the very things of God that about heaven and hell? Simple, simple stuff. We, get through, we got it through vertical hierarchy, though. But once you, we get it, light comes. There's people who, you know who I'm talking about, people that you've, you've had experiences with, where you try to tell them, hey, hey, look, look. And they are in darkness. Energy, excuse me, immortality, I'm going to call it eternal life. Eternal life, when I say immortality, it throws a lot of people off, believe it or not. But because they've quoted John 3, 16 and eternal life, that kind of, it, it, doesn't, it sits well with their brain. Where I say, a company of immortals, they think of some science fiction movie, you know. Eternal life, energy, light, it's concealed because God wants to reveal it. And what, it, what he does is he, he gives us the, the uh, potential to allow the emergence of those three things that he has sown in us by his spirit word. What? Immortality is in or Eternal life is in me. Energy is in me. Light is in me. Listen to this. In the book of Hebrew, no, see what it was, in 1 John, in the beginning was the Word, that is the book of John, and the, and the Word was made flesh. I mean, we've just always taken, well, he's the Word, this is the Word, this, it's the Word, the Word's made flesh. I'm going to break it down a little bit more today without getting too technical with it, but I want to spark something in you. I want to light a match in the dark areas of our minds and, and move us to a little bit further place in the ways of God. Moses, the children of Israel knew the ways of God, the acts of God. They knew how he did this and all. But Moses knew his ways. So it says, and the word was made flesh. He, he said, I am the word of life. I'm word, word, word. What word? Would you tell me a word? I'm the word. What word is it? But sometimes we have accepted it as this mystical thing. Oh, it's the word. And the word made flesh. And the word came down. And the word, what? Will somebody please tell me that word? I want to know what word it was. Jesus. What word? Well, I know this. 
if it's a word, it's comprised of several letters. Does anybody not agree with that? That words are comprised of letters, plural. I mean, I guess A is a word. So what is the word was sent? I sent my word and healed your disease. What? Please. I got to know. Now, if you understood a little bit about Hebrew, you've got to be a Hebrew scholar, but just a little bit. The letters in the Hebraic alphabet aren't just ordinary letters. A, I, A, apple. B, 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 ball. But these Every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, every letter is a symbol, and that symbol has many meanings in it. When I say many, it could be two or more, but it's usually at least two. All these inner meanings from the literal straightforward meaning of it, and there is a spiritual What word I'm going to use? It, a spiritual picture revealing also. In understanding the Bible, of course, I wanted to know some Greek and I want to know some Hebrew. So, you know, what do you do with Hebrew? You start with a letter A. Because how are you going to read a Hebrew word if you don't know the letters? This is deep. Hallelujah. Whoa, do y'all feel, feel it? So in understanding the, the, and having this insight into the different, different meanings of the Torah, I mean, there's, there's things you know and God reveals, and then he reveals them what they really mean. I mean, I get understanding of stuff all the time, but what does it really mean? How does it work? How do, and so like the word en, en, energia, or, <laughs> sorry, energia, that word is, my God, how many years ago was that? But I, I knew the word, I knew what it meant, but I didn't know what it meant. Because you can have understanding, but not, you can have knowledge, and you can have, and, but, but you can't have understanding without wisdom. So you get these letters, and you put these letters together, and these letters will create words. And when, and when the word is complete with the letters that have their own individual meaning, then you have this profound idea of what a word means way beyond than just the surface meaning of it. You're not going to do this in a weekend, okay? If we take just one look at one single letter of a word in Hebrew. You understand? Am, am I clear about what I'm talking about? You can't understand the entire concept of the entire word in context with what it's used by just that one letter. Yet, that letter 
that one letter is so, so important, especially when it gets combined with the other letters of the word, and it expresses the whole concept of what the word is really supposed to have meant from God to us. But, you know, if you, put, if you leave a, the first letter out of the whole word, then you're going to get a different word. And if you only have the first letter, you're, not gonna, you're never going to understand the full concept. All right, I'm trying to break this down for us. Wisdom is what helps us appreciate and understand the meaning of a word. And when I say wisdom, wisdom, I'm talking about maturity, experiential knowledge, you know, teleos, pater, if you want to call it that, pater. But a child can only relate to the letter. I have a picture of mine, Ryan, right now of coming into East Highland Elementary School in the third grade. I'm going to that class, and all across the top of the, top of the chalkboard are these letters a, y'all remember that? There's little cards, he put them up there. Because a child is yet to be able to read words. Because they don't even know the letters. The hidden things of God, of the divine nature, are revealed like the combined letters in a word. We've been told that all we got to do except Jesus in heart, hallelujah, right there. I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus is in my heart. I'm going to heaven when I die. There we go. With no clue whatsoever of those things that are hidden. All they know is something that some dead man passed down to somebody that, who's died, who's passed down to somebody, and now we're victims of. And that is the truth. What God is revealing cannot be fully realized until all the letters are all joined as one. I, I asked my wife last night, I said, watch the, watch the thing. Watch the show that Banner White's on. I think I asked somebody else there, and they told me like five different shows, and I was like, I still don't know. She says, Will of Fortune. Chuck. Tom, Bill, whatever the guy's name is, I think I'll take a, I think I'll buy a vowel. And what they're doing, they're trying to guess the phrase by letters. Is that accurate or not? Okay. And then I, they get to spin and win, or I forget what they get to do. But it's kind of like that. What God is doing, he is revealing himself to you. But he does it one letter at a time. And what we receive from God, we get by understanding, knowing, and letting that word, that letter, the first letter, become flesh in us. Yahshua had the whole word. And it became flesh in him. Are y'all hearing what I just said? Watch the word. 
I got a hint of what the word that I would guess it to be. And when we get that letter, the first letter, the full intensity of the divine, infinite life, energy, and light will liberate a son of Adam from death, stupor, and darkness. That's the only word I could think of that was the opposite of energy. Because I think it's stupor. I think it's lazy. I think it's, it's slothfulness. The opposite of that is energy. Energia. Energia. Ener Can I just say energia? Thank you. Energia. We've got life, eternal life, energy, and the light. Yahshua was the light of the world. Why? Because he had the whole word. The fullness of the Godhead was in him bodily. And he allowed it to be released out of him. And he became the light of the world. Your freedom and my freedom begins with one letter. One single letter. And it progresses and reveals the word and its meaning till its full intensity. What's the word and the meaning? What's the word that we're looking for? I don't know. I don't know the whole word. It's embarrassing. I think you know so much. And when he puts you in that washing machine... And then he puts spin on, you find out that you're nothing. So, what do I do with that? I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to need the attention of anybody else. I don't mean you're mean to other people. You understand? I'm not, I don't need to do a song and a dance because they have nothing. What I'm looking for and get the attention of is my God. So he can show me, I, I want the first letter at least. My God, do you want the first letter of the word? You know, I told you all a couple of weeks ago, I gave a real, a real educated guess when Yahshua was going to return. I made some people mad, and I made some people happy. I shared this one time with somebody. The Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour. I said, I didn't know the day or the hour. I said the year. <laughs> Yahshua don't even know the day or the hour. So then you say he's not all-knowing. So you agree with me about who he is. Thank you for getting that. Freedom. Begins with one single letter. And every single letter is in distinct. Every single letter is important. Every single letter is part of the whole word. And yet when standing alone, it is, remains in a state of diminished life, energy, and light. In house number one, in house number two, and in house number three. I believe, 
I was shown that every one of us is kind of a letter on our own in every relationship that's ordained by God on the earth, the individual, the domestic realm, and the ecclesia. So to create a word, everybody has to be a certain letter, so to speak. This is kind of a way that I was saying, look, help me, help me put this in plain language because there's a lot of things that Yahweh speaks to me from his word and his spirit that I can see in my own mind, but I want to be able to try to communicate it to others so that maybe they can try to maybe see some of it too. That's why I'll be talking about it, right? Like on, you know, Fridays or Saturdays or Thursdays or Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Mondays or maybe Sundays, I'm talking about this. Because it's something in me that I'm trying to get out so I can hear what's in me come out. And as I said, sometimes I hear God come out. A lot of times I just hear me and my immaturity in flesh. Every letter creates a flow from God to us. Not just, and I want you to see, every letter contains its own level of life, energy, and light. Every actual letter has those three elements in it, but the formation and the correct spelling of the, of the word has all the power in it. The first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, interestingly, I'll just call it A. How about that? Also signifies the number one. A is the number one. So in all my thinking, what is the word here? What is the fulfillment here? Well, I'm not sure if I know what the word is, but I know what the fulfillment of the letter A is. It means one. The meaning is, listen, oneness and unity of the Creator. The very first letter of what we want from God requires the letter which, re which relates as and has revealed to us of being one and unified with Yahweh. Are y'all hearing me? Is it making sense to you? Okay, we want the word, the whole word, but what, what's the first letter? There is an underlying unity and oneness that goes beyond the illusion of what we think we're separate. See, people come to this house, they think they're separate. They think they can make their own decision, do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. Same thing in house number two. People think that they can just decide to do whatever it is they want to do. But in that underlying separation, and under, in that underlying duality, God said, No. And what we do, we separate ourselves from the, the virtual hierarchy and the flow of the full word that we're to receive.
I love it. If you look up the first letter in the Hebrew language, alphabet, you know, I, don't, I, I forget, they call them like yods or vabs and whatever, but I, don't, I, don't, I'm, I can't regurgitate all of that. But what it's like, it's like this, watch. It's like a mark, a slash, and a mark. <laughs> You're kidding me. This is too easy. You mean it means, it means oneness and unity? It means that there's nothing separate from God, that he's really the source of everything, even though people think they're doing things on their own, they can't do it because it's that, that, and that. Every good thing comes from him. The very breath you breathe comes from him. It's funny when I hear people say something about God. I mean, are you stupid? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't like the way God does that. Well, well why don't you do it? Won't you make the world turn and the sun come up in the morning? Won't you make the environment create oxygen that you can breathe in? You big dummy. Oh, but we know more than God. Listen, it's vertical. Unity is vertical. What does it mean? The letter A means that God's here and we're here. And the life flow of divine life of Eternal life, energy, and light flows from him to those who are understand the letter A. My God, how spiritual are we not? We don't even know the first letter of the alphabet of the word that God's trying to bring to earth through us. Oh, but we got it under control. I'm like, I The higher world, the lower world. Heavenly, earthly, spiritual, fleshly. With a separation that can only be opened by one who was one with the Father. He said, anything I do, I do the will of my Father. I do whatever he wants to do. What was he doing? He knew that it was, to be one was vertical. I do everything God wants me to do. Guess what? So in the completeness of that word was, you know, I thought maybe the word that I'm looking for here is the word one. But I knew I should just keep my mouth shut. Because it'll probably be 20 if I say one. Listen, this represents a creation of something made from nothing. It's a symbol of beginnings and how God operates in the earth, doing what he says do, how he says do it, when he says do it, in the order he says do it. It's timeless, it's spaceless, it's present everywhere. It is the way it is, and you either come and do it right or you got it wrong. And I'm trying to teach us the right way. No wonder Yahshua said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. The Bible says the Lord God or Yahweh is one God. 
Remember, I told you of unity's vertical. And this vertical hierarchy flows from the divine order of God. And listen to this. The energia. It determines the measure of revealed eternal life, energy, and light that you get. I don't get it. I know. Because you're not getting it. That don't mean you can't understand some of my preaching. I ain't talking about that. Some, some, you know, I'm work, I work on that all as best I can while I'm trying to work on all this other stuff in my, in, about me. The more energy, energia that we have, the higher the level. The less energy that we are under, the lower the level. So the, the, the amount of energy that you and I receive is determined by the, how close we are or how distant we are from the source and the person that we are supposed to be subject to in the divine order of God. If you don't want to be, if a woman don't want to be under her husband, don't get married. If a man don't want to be under his apostle, don't be a Christian. And house number one, if you don't want to do what God says, then stop. But whether we believe or not, that we're, if we believe we're under God or not under God, you are. And how you do it and how you conform to it determines how much energy you get and how much you don't get. How much life you get, how much energy you get, and how much light you get. closer you are to the top who's to those that God has put over you in every house determines the amount of energy that God will reveal to you I want to tell you why a lot of people don't understand what I'm preaching because of the very thing I'm talking about right now they're not submitted to the very vessel that God uses in house one two and three Those with lower levels are further away on the outskirts. They have diminished and concealed amounts of energy that come from God. It's, it's just like this. Somebody who's close to a light or distant from a light or let's say a flame, the closer the person gets, the hotter it is. The closer the person gets to a light, the brighter it is. It's just a, that simple Analogy. So the, the God-likeness that emerged when the, we begin to get the letters right, when we understand the letters, when we get that right, and especially, especially if we get the whole word, but right now, you know, I think we need to learn the first, the first letter, that what happens is when we get that first letter right, Chuck, I'll take an A. It turns, there's an A. Then what happens is that unites us and it combines us and puts us in the order of God directly, as the old folks say, under the spout where the glory comes out. The real divine life. Not us having to kiss people's hand 
make them love us or are we reacting some way? There's no flesh involved. Not merely to just the meaning of the word, which is more than, more than the sum of the individual letters, so to speak, but to a higher purpose than that death and that stupor and that darkness that is working in us instead of the energia working in us. All right. I got a few more things. Just one more thing, but I'm going I'm to tell you and I've been talking about, really, the hindrances to the first letter. Last time I spoke, I, saw, I think, let me have your attention. You're never going to get the first letter as long as you're needing attention. And that's a deep thing to unseat. And it's a deep thing to have to uncover because we will deceive ourselves and we lie to ourselves. And don't mean to, but we've done it to protect ourselves all these years. A hindrance is completing this first letter of the word. <laughs> can we just get the first letter this morning? Can we just, well, I don't know the word, but if I can get the first letter, it'll be the great start. So when we make assessments about the character of, of other people based on limited information, then you've just brought judgment. Now, I believe in righteous judgment, and I don't really want to talk about that today. And I may mention it in a minute, but one of the things that keep us from allowing that first letter of the word to become flesh and dwell among us is we're so damn judgmental. And I hope people who don't like what I just said realizes you're just too damn judgmental. You don't have to always be a negative thing. But I got to tell you that I have discovered, first of all, in other people. <laughs> But eventually to me, in me, to face the fact it's me, that it's just our human nature to hone in on the faults of others than it is any of their finer qualities. Remember I told you about your internal dialogue, right? He ain't going to say nothing nice about nobody. He won't even say nothing nice to you about you. What this kind of judgment does it, is it divides us and it prevents us from engaging in any real, productive, meaningful relationship. Because you know why? Because it's phony. And I'll tell you what else that bitterness does. And I can tell you this from experience. It leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. A root of bitterness tastes bitter. Resenting other people is not a pleasant experience. Miserable.
I want, I want to look at a couple of things this morning. Because I'm asking Yahweh to help me get the first letter. And to bring order to this house, we got to get the let, first letter right. O. <laughs> O-R-D-E-R. That's not the word. I don't know if there is even a word. Because we want to curb at least judgmental behavior in this house. Which you got to do it in house number two and house number one. And I want to talk about three things briefly. Don't judge me for going too long. Three things that I think are very important. And I'm, I'm speaking from experiential knowledge and things I'm still working out in me. And I'm asking Yahweh, like Yahshua did, make, make us one. We need your help to do it. And that is loving yourself too much. Being puffed up and knowing how to be lowly in spirit. These are just in, in, inherent traits for humans. Y'all agree with that? Everybody expresses them different. Some holds it in, some don't hold it in, some, some pout, some yell, some, I mean, but... In my transition of trying to get from where I was to where I want to go, I have experienced the struggle of being judgmental. You know, and I can say, hey, you know, that's just the nature and the character of the prophet. God said, well, God was being real rude one time I was at a conference and it was an Apostles' Prophets conference. And this guy was being real rude. And the guy said, hey, man, don't be so rude. No, I said, man, what, what are you doing? Whatever. He said, well, that's because I'm a prophet. I said, no, son, sir, thou art a, another word, a two, two words for jerk. We can always base it on, you know, and, you know but I don't want to do that. I'm not here trying to get attention no more. I'm not here trying to, to of, of save myself. I, I want to get my well done. That's what I'm here. That's what this is about for me. This man have a building. It ain't about a job. It ain't about money. It ain't about. It's about getting our well done and doing what you always call me to do. So I, I, you know, I got this thing in me that man. I've, I had the the propensity to be a daggum judgmental person in the name of the Lord. Sometimes. Sometimes we just do it in the name of our own self. And not only was I a perpetrator of judgment, but I've been the victim of it too. Can you imagine? I, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, there's this guy. And he told me, he said, man, we need to pray for our friend, man. Because the guy was about to die. We need to go to his house and have a talk with him. And I'm like, uh, I've already had a talk with him. He said, yeah, but you know, we need, to, we need to make sure we tell him about Jesus so he can go to heaven. I'm like, Larry, have you not heard anything I've been telling you the past four years? 
And you know what? I believe it's because Larry loves me and he don't want to have to deal with the fact that I'm a heretic. So he just don't, he just don't listen. But I have been the recipient of people who have criticized me and judged me who don't even know me. And I guess I was just probably reaping and getting the, the taste of my own medicine. Y'all listen to me. If y'all are like me, I'm gonna look, I'm, this is what's important to me. I may not, I may not always act like it. Because I'm going to tell you, my behavior don't always measure up to my character. Am I in the wrong church? I said my behavior does not always match up to my character. So I don't want to hold others hostage to the same thing. Oh, I can act like that, but you can't. No. You gotta, we got to give grace to each other, right? It gets complicated. As I've matured, <laughs> or not matured, sometimes I wonder. I said, sometimes I wonder. Anybody with me? Hallelujah. Praise the lily white lamb of God. I, I, have I done, have I grown at all? And as I've developed these new ways of thinking and analyzing, I realized that I was unintentionally judging people around me. And really, it was a mechanism for just to buffer myself because I, didn't, I couldn't take me being any worse than I already thought I was. So I, I could, then I become to an area that I couldn't think of myself any better than I thought I already was. I was observing, based on what people were doing, their areas of maturity, their areas of the gospel, and this is the problem. I was stacking it up against my own experience, or what I thought was my experience. If I found out I was ahead of them in certain areas, then I would automatically label them, well, they're immature, they're undeveloped. And I could even justify calling them my enemy. So what does this do? It obviously... This judgment affects the way I interacted with people and I created divisions that maybe you couldn't see on a physical level, but they were ever present in my head and in my thoughts. I guess this is just Johnny on the couch time now on Sundays. I'm glad y'all let me just talk about myself here. I think it gave me a sense of moral superiority. Or spiritual superiority. 
But I'll tell you what it didn't give me. Satisfaction. I like, I like Mick Jagger. I just like him. I can't get no satisfaction. Because judging people and feeling, making yourself superior to them and, and judging them and stacking myself up against them to where if I stacked up ahead of them, I felt superior. But if I, if I stacked up below them, guess what? I'd murder them. Really didn't want to be around them because they... I'll tell you what else it did. I hated it. I hated it. I hated me. I hated, hated that I was this way. Man, I hated it. Sometimes what you hate you, sometimes you, you kind of slip and do it again. I hated judgmental. See, when I wanted attention, I thought everybody loved me. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I'll never forget. I was, came, I was a youth pastor one time at a church. And this guy came into the pastor's office. And I had just preached and sang that, you know, I had my hair down here, and stack sandals and all this. I don't know what he wouldn't like. And he went to the pastor's office and complained about me. And the pastor said, you're in the wrong office. His office is right across the hall there. So he comes to my office, and I'm going to tell you, I was in shock that he didn't like me. You didn't think I was everything that I think I am, that I really don't think I am, but I'm projecting to be in, you know, the deception of it. What? I couldn't believe it. I said, you're in the wrong office. He's right across the hall right there. Hated it. And I found myself doing it again and again and again and again. I just think that I didn't do this to alleviate my responsibility, but I'll tell you what I think. I think the issue of judging other people is, is so prevalent in most people's lives. You know, I'm, children, they get in unfavorable judgment when they act out of line. You know, oh, this is, this is, oh, this is sweet Susie, you know, over here is mean Johnny. I tell you what, you listen to every bad joke about a kid joke. Is that little Johnny was in school one day. They even call the bathroom John. What's that? That's why I hate labels. I don't want to be labeled. I don't want, anybody, I don't want to label anybody because you can be labeled unfixable. You can be labeled unworthy by some relationship or some person in your life. And I'll tell you what, it, it will affect you forever. You'd be 63 years old like me and still fighting whether you're worthy or not or whether you're fixable or not.
Here's some things that have helped me. Because I know ordinary people like me, I, I say, I, I said this the other day, I said, you know, I'm perfect. I am perfect. And I know some people that are perfect, you know, they never are wrong. They never make mistakes. But ordinary people like me, and we, we mess up sometimes. And I found out that's just part of God's process. He causes, puts things in our path and we get that we stumble. Because these are the things, Johnny, I want you to overcome. Why? Because I'm working out of you those things that are keeping you from coming into the fullness that I have for you. And this is what it is. The seed's already in you, Johnny. But it's the weeds that are choking it out. Every time it pops up, boo, that weed will get it. And we have to water the right things. The journey of our life, guys, is, is absolute imperfection. Your life is not going to be perfect. The journey is imperfection. So that makes me, who understands the journey, perfectly imperfect. You hear what I just said? What makes me perfect? That I, because I ain't going to quit. I ain't quitting. I'm going to get up, and I'm not going to continue to live in that way. And if I fall, I'm going to get up and say, God, forgive me. I'm going to tell you what, that's not where I want to be. I remember that. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to get up. And this is the beautiful thing about God. And I had to learn this as a young man. And it took me more faith. I said, it takes more faith to believe this than it does to raise somebody from the dead. And that is, if you fall down, if you get up and ask God to forgive you, He will and He won't remember it. Well, what if we could do that, forgive and not remember? Whew. Holy smoke. Forgiveness and not holding it against people. I'm perfect at being imperfect, but I'm not satisfying. I'm striving for perfection. I want that whole word, but if I don't get the first letter down, I ain't going to get the second letter. I try through these things I'm fixing to talk about. Please bear with me. I got to get this off my chest or I'm going to be no good this week. It helps me overcome the urge to judge other people. And, and it prompts me to see good in other people. And I, trust me, I want y'all to know this. Living that way is a way lot better than being judgmental and mad and angry and stuff. And you, know, you know what I mean? Even if there was no God, I don't know if these principles would work, of course, but I'm just saying, just, just here are a few things behind and seemingly irresistible urge we have to judge others unfavorably. Here's a spiritual principle. We're to love others as ourselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> huh? Okay. Oh, I got that one. All right. You're, to me, it's a mountain. Love others as myself. Well, what if I don't love myself? But see, what I mean by that is our self-love, our own self-interest blinds us from our own faults. 
We have been so protective for whatever our mama did to us, our daddy did to us, how we were raised, or what it may be. You know, it blinds us from our own faults. And even though we are intellectually aware that they're there, our deficiencies and our faults are submerged and nullified by the fact that we're going to put us first. And I'm going to get attention for me. And I'm going to survive first. Realizing that that ain't the order of God. The importance that we place our flaws in, in our life, it only exists in your mind. I've always said this, you know, I've always said, hey, your past only exists in your mind. Nowhere else. It's not even real. What happened yesterday, it, it don't exist anywhere. So being in my mind, it never prompted really any change because it's just something that I always just wore myself out with. Internal dialogue. We talked about it. So with me... Concealing my shortcomings, it's easy to view others in this negative light and judge them. And what I did, I created an unfair, unlevel playing field. It just, just, you didn't have a chance. Well, I get four strikes. You get none. You're out now. You don't even get to turn it back. So we've made this whole thing, you know. So one thing is this, guys we got to learn to put others before ourselves. And the only way that's going to happen is if we understand unity. And unity is you getting in your place and submitting to the authority that's in your life in every area. Then that flow comes to you. Ener- energia will come to your, you. Divine life, eternal life, energy and light will come to your life. And it will empower you to be able to quit judging everybody else. And you'll be much happier. Look at him. I mean, we just eat up with it. Look, what's he, what are he wearing today? What that, what's that guy doing? He's stupid. Cut out in front of me like that. He's an idiot. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, listen to this. Love suffereth long. Y'all hear that? I think that's a warning. I think it's a warning. If ever you really love something, it's going to cause you some suffering. Can I get an amen out of anybody on that? You love it, you're going to suffer. But it says it's long. It envies not. It vaunteth not of itself. And it ain't puffed up. Most people, in my walk, and in my dealings in life, y'all tell me if this is true or not in your life, we demand much more to give up an object than we're willing to be able to pay to acquire it. Huh? It's like this. God's got a boat for sale. He wants $10,000 for it. But if I had the boat and he wanted to buy it, he'd only want to give me about three. Now, I'm not talking about Todd personally, his character. I'm just saying that's an example. Most people have a tendency to demand much more for them to give up an object than they're willing to pay to acquire it. That's what I found out. No. What's mine is more valuable than what you have. Even though it's the same thing. And even if yours really is more valuable. (laughs) So this bias in us occurs 
Because we naturally will overvalue the goods that are ours. And I'm not just talking about boats. And I, saw, I, went, so I, went, I was looking at trucks one time. And I drove all the way down to 484, down by Marion Oaks. And this guy had this car. And I should have known from the pictures that he had that he only like, took a picture of the headlight. You know? <laughs> oh, it's in perfect shape. I got in there. I can't tell you. It was so bad. He had all his tools in the back. And he, I said, well, does that, does that come with it? I said, man, how much you want for it? $5,500. I $55? I drove all the way out there because in his mind, oh, I can't let it go for that. Classic. Classic. I said, an 89 ain't a classic yet. It don't matter what the objective market value may be. And I think in general behavior, this is how it relates to our self-love. When we over, overvalue our own goods, is comparable to the fact of us overvaluing ourselves because we conceal the shortcomings. Yeah, but it's got rust on the bottom. Yeah, but it's just a little bit. Our self-deception will hide that. Hang on, I've got a couple more minutes. Can I, y'all let me finish? So when I, when I overstate my own value, then what am I doing to your value? I understate it. And your value diminishes while my value rises. And all of a sudden now, compared to my value... And what I am and who I am and what I know and what I can do and how wonderful I am. Guess what happens to you? Your faults become glaringly apparent. Now I see all your faults because I'm in a certain place. And it's for that reason it's easy for us to judge people and to say, oh, you're immature or you're underdeveloped or you're insensitive or you're not smart or you're all those kind of things and many other destructive labels that we are so used so common today. And I want to tell you, I want y'all to look at me right now, everybody. I'm talking to me today. This is to nobody in this church. This is to everybody. And this is how I'm trying to live. And Yahshua said five times he knew what I'm talking about today to get that first letter was going to be difficult. Lord, make them one, make them one, make them one, make them one. Five times. And like I told you last week or week before, whenever it was, I, I like what he said. I know you can hear me. No, I not. I know you can hear me. But the best way I can help is to, for me to accept the first letter. To me to let that word become flesh starting with the first letter. And I'm giving you three concepts that will help you Tell what happens when you judge, man. Now, I think we should judge, but I think premature judgment is what's harmful. And we, judgment calls we make that are based on the truth, you know. I'm, I'm talking about righteous judgment. You can do that. If somebody, if somebody rips you off four times in a row, you're not judging them in the sense we're talking about by saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that with you anymore. I'm talking about buying something or something like that. And I, I think judgment releases Negative energy around us. Negative energia. And it's not conducive to coexisting with Yahweh and Yahshua and the ecclesia or your wife or husband peacefully or harmoniously and in agreement. The act of judging is mainly, I'd say 100% 
source is from your internal dialogue. We see what somebody does, and we begin to think. And we judge them, and we think we know what they're doing and where they're coming from, and we say that this kind of person because they did this kind of thing. We judge and determine that person's character, whether they're selfish, irresponsible, arrogant, based on something that we don't really fully information about. I call it this. You're still playing king of the mountain. We used to play that. We called it king of the hill, king of the mountain. We'd have a big pile of dirt or whatever. You get up there, and you just throw everybody else off if you can. I'm going to tell you what. I found out as an adult I was still playing king of the mountain. Compared my actions with other people's actions, I, be, I, I did basically just viewed myself as superior to everybody else. Now, can I say something right quick? I'm using me for example, but I'm talking about you. All right? Don't, don't leave here saying, man, John. No, I, I'm saying this. I'm using me for the example for you to look at you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not, you know, you. I hope you receive that today. We're so blinded about what we think is so good about what we are and what we've done that the bad to others become particularly dominant in our eyes. I do this. I, you know who I am. You know what I've done. You know what I'm doing. And guess what we do? We make ourselves superior to others because of what, how great we think we are. Even though that we don't think we're great, when it comes right down to it, we think bad of ourselves. We stand on top of that mountain of good. And we're throwing everybody else off into that daggum rubble heap below with everybody else who is in and has been in your life. King of the mountain. I win. Yeah, you are. There you are up there on top of that mountain. King of the mountain. All alone. And that's exactly is the opposite of one. You take the A-L off of that word. Or you add A-L to the word one. And you got alone. Man, we're supposed to have a lowly spirit. We're supposed to have a lowly spirit for every man. Let me, I, I'm about done here. Let me just say this. The things I want to do, I don't always do. And the things I don't want to do, sometimes those are the things I do. They're sitting a cop out, but that, I'm quoting Romans. The Apostle Paul himself said, man, who's going to deliver me from this miserable flesh? And I know that dilemma about myself. And I try to, that, that, that make me preclude from judging other people's character based on what they may be doing at any specific time in their life. I don't want to judge somebody else's character based on their behavior. The fact is, all you can really see in that person's life is the tip of the iceberg. You have no idea what's really underneath the surface. We don't know what somebody's really going through, where they've been through. I'm not excusing the behavior. Hopefully these things will just take, help us to quit taking everything so personal and judging each other so negatively because I think the bottom line is this. Everybody just wants to be loved. I certainly know I do. So in order to get through this, I think it's very important if we're going to solve being judgmental, which is one of the, the things that are the enemies to the first letter, unity is we got to view ourselves on an equal plane with others. Treat them the way you want to be treated. You know, it's just a simple stuff. Some of the, Maybe these truths today, I hope, will 
help us level out the playing field. I think it would be even greater if our life shouldn't be considered a playing field in the first place. Each one of us has a, a unique purpose, a unique mission. And when all of us get together and do it, I think the word might be ecclesia, I don't know. But if we all got our letters right, I'm not talking about the very first letter, I'm talking about in this expression here. There ain't no need for comparisons. You can't compare yourself to me. And I can't compare myself to you. So stop it. Quit it. There's no way I'm going to go home mad at Danny because he plays the guitar so good. I'm not going to compare myself to him. I'll just go home and look in the mirror and say how much better looking I am to him and just say, hey, let's quit comparison. Let's quit all this stuff. What's the word, Johnny? I, know what, I don't know what the word is, but I can tell you I know what the first letter is. One. Bye.